0: Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to stylesmartva.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. Style Smart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Welcome to Your Hair Mentor, the podcast that fuels your passion, ignites your ambition, and propels your hairstyling career to new heights. I'm your host, Crystal, and together we'll explore the stories of industry leaders and experts unlocking their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and equipped with the knowledge to become a trailblazer in the hair world. In each episode, we dive deep into the lives of extraordinary individuals, sharing their triumphs, challenges, and pivotal moments. Through their stories, you'll gain actionable strategies to elevate your career. This podcast is your gateway to personal growth and business development. Discover the dynamics of building strong client relationships and unlocking the keys to business growth. I'm here to equip you with the essential skills to thrive behind the chair. Join the community of ambitious hairstylists who refuse to settle for anything less than greatness Mm. let let's transform your career together, one episode at a time. Babylage, biolage, boleage. How many different ways can we hear our clients say, balayage, balayage, the act of painting in highlights in the hair. What a concept, right? A concept that has completely changed our industry in my opinion, for the better. And I had an opportunity to interview the ballet Lama herself, Candy Shaw. Now, if you don't know this name, but you know what a baby babylage, balayage is, let me introduce you to someone that really brought the technique to life in our country here. So she created one of the first clay-based balayage lighteners that's on the market here in the United States. And I didn't even know this until I interviewed Candy. Um, and so it's a really fun interview that we had. I know you're going to love it, but I have to tell you, like this woman is a powerhouse. She's inspiring. She's uplifting. She's doing big things, even outside of balayage. She is a She's a back later, my friends. That's what I just got to say about her. So I found her. I feel like the universe wanted me to find you, Candy. If you're listening to this, I'm so glad we met um, because I had people posting about her uh, funding events and just like being in places, educating, doing things. So anyway, it wasn't until I interviewed her that I realized that she was uh, one of the people who spearheaded. Is that a right word? Spearheaded did the spearheading, anyway, of balayage in our country and therefore changed the industry as we know it. So um, before I babble on anymore about baby babylage, balayage, biolage, let me introduce you to the Bali Lama
1: herself, Candy Shaw. Shah. I have my bathing suit under this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are ready to go. I, I love ready.
1: it. Sunscreen is already applied. Chairs are already had. My husband... Oh. Chilling the champagne all morning, so
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like Superman with the the skin underneath the suit. You know, <laughs> I'm
1: ready, I'm ready. So
0: cute. Well, um, Candy, I hear a little little accent in your voice though that doesn't sound Floridian. Where are you from?
1: I am uh, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so that's where my salon is. I have a fifty chair salon in Atlanta. Fifty. How does that even work? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I still work at the chair. So I was at the chair yesterday. Uh I work about two, sometimes three days a week at the chair. And we have a 50 chair salon in the heart of Buckhead, which is like the nucleus of of the the city of Atlanta. And uh, we've been in that location for 43 years. My father actually was a world champion hairdresser and he retired probably close to about nine years ago. I bought the business from my dad quite some time back, um, probably, gosh, 15, 16 years ago. I work with my son and my husband, my daughter-in-law, so it's a major family affair. And I love what I do. It's really just, it's, I love it. And then of course, maybe you might not know this about me, but I also created a brand called Sunlights Pro, which is a lightning brand, and that just came out of necessity for my student. I mm-hmm. also have academy in Atlanta, so I have a uh, continuing education academy. And, you know, sort of the trifecta of what I do is, you know, I'm an educator. I, I like to say I'm a mom first, because that's the most important yes. uh, aspect of what I do, uh, obviously, and wife, and now grandmother. Mm-hmm. Not a good- uh, But the trifactor for me is um, educator, uh, salon owner, and then a creator and founder of a brand. So who would have ever thought this little girl who barely got through high school was dyslexic with a learning disability, never went to college, never went to beauty school. I literally just, you know, here I am. It's just kind of, sometimes I even don't even believe it myself.
0: Yeah. So did did you just learn to do hair as like uh, under the mentorship of your dad then?
1: Yes. So in Georgia, you don't have to go to beauty school so you can actually apprentice. So I apprenticed under my father and my uncle who were both hairstylists. And I was lucky enough to travel all over the world. Um, uh, I had a small stint in Europe that I lived and uh, all all over the United States. I had all these amazing friends um, who my parents knew. My mother was a makeup artist. So oh my, my dad, gosh! So it's like it's just a crazy story. So yeah, my dad, obviously world champion hairdresser, met my mother actually right here where I am right now in um, in Florida. My mother was hitchhiking trying to get to the sock cop. Oh and my gosh! I picked her up, and six weeks later they were married, and they were married fifty four years before she passed. But she was she was his model in competition work and did her makeup. And um, and then they opened, they lived in Dothan, Alabama for a little while where my brother was born and then moved to the big city of Atlanta to follow their dreams. And so she was the, um, the financee of the business. And my dad was the creative force. And they opened a 50 chair salon 43 years ago, which was totally unheard of.
0: Oh my, that is, that's wild. What an undertaking.
1: Yes, it is. And so we still have stood this test of time and still are known as one of the top leading salons, not only just in Atlanta, but also in the country. And education has always been the backbone of what made us great, I think, in, in the in the, in the the sense that we attracted the right type of staff members and, and folks, because we were always uh, sort of uh, a derivative of education. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started teaching classes over 25 years ago, and then that just continued to morph and morph and morph, and finally had to open a, a, a facility to do that, so uh, travel... Almost every weekend, either at a distributor event or a show uh, in a city near you, and yeah. I love it, absolutely love it.
0: That's fantastic. So um, I'm assuming the facility that you opened in Atlanta is separate than your salon space, then, right?
1: Right. It's actually my distribution center as well. Oh. So I distribute my product, you know, all over the world, and uh, so I have in the back side of the house. We have all the uh, you know, the loading docks and the pallets full of stuff and good gracious, lots and lots. I never knew I was gonna be in the cardboard business <laughs> <laughs> because when you when you create a product, you got a lot of cardboard to ship products. Yeah. Needless to say, I created this line and it just continued to morph. So the back side of the house is all of that, and it's where I also house our corporate offices. And then in the front side, I built it out kind of like a living room, to be honest. I I love learning in different types of environments. Me too. I had to take away the sterile feel of learning in some type of, you know, uh, you know, those restaurants that have no ceiling in them you know, that always mm-hmm. all have terrible acoustics. I didn't want that. You know, I felt like that industrial way of learning was not really my kind of um, wheelhouse. So I created literally a living room uh, and um, I, I have classes and courses all the time in continuing education and French cutting and balayage. Wow. So it's pretty
0: fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. So Candy, I'm curious when it came to creating... Your brand, Sunlights, the mm-hmm. or I'd say your product, not your brand, right? Because you are the brand, really. Um, what was like the inception of that? Like, what was the first thing that you created and why did you create it?
1: Well, I've probably told the story 100,000 times, but if you're listening for the first time, I uh, was a balayage artist before balayaging was cool.
0: Oh, yeah. By the way, um, for anyone that doesn't know this, Candy's handle on Instagram, isn't it the, the Balai Lama? Yeah. Sort of like the double. I love it. Yes. Sorry. Continue. (laughs)
1: Well, anyway, uh, so I was painting hair again before painting hair was cool. Everybody was pulling hair through a cap or foiling. And I had gone to uh, Europe and I had learned, you know, how to paint hair. And I came back and I started to try to bootleg it in my own academy, you know, kind of teaching people. That's what stylists do. You know, We, we sort of morph into these versions of everything we're learning. And uh eventually the type of product that I was using dried up, meaning I couldn't find it anymore. It went out of business, quite frankly. Oh. And so I just kept having this idea: somebody needs to create a balayage lightener. This is something that is a niche that we do not have. I am from Georgia and the natural resource in Georgia is red Georgia clay. So it came ah. into me that if I put clay in lightener, maybe when I painted it on hair. They use it in cosmetics already that when you painted it on hair, it would actually encapsulate the hair and lift the hair and not dust and, and be a big mess, which was balayage had a bad rap for that. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, I worked for two years in R and D um, with a chemist to try to perfect a product that had clay in it or kale light technology. And I was the OG the first to ever come out with a balayage lightener to uh, do just that. I had gone to some other folks that were some big manufacturers in in the country and sort of asked for their help. And, you know, they just said, you know, balayage is just like a little black dress. I, I, I mean, no, pardon me. They said, no, balayage is just like a trend. And I said, no, balayage is like a little black dress. It's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. And once stylists learn to paint hair, It is going to uh, completely jump over the foiling world. And it it really has, you know, hand painting, balayage, you know, creates such freedom for stylists at the chair. It helps to elevate their bottom line and what their earning potential is. Uh, It's fun. It's fast. It's creative. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a partial or a foil that, you know, everybody in the world can do around, around the corner. So I just continued on that journey, and believe it or not, Crystal, I had one product, and that was Sunlights. And now, I have a whole line of products. I came out with the first ever to market oil lightener, now That's called Lights. My favorite ever. Yes, it's so good because it has that KLM t- KL light technology, and then you know, here come you got to have toning shampoos, and you got to have all those things that go with it. So really, it. It was the big fat no in my life that gave me the courage to stand up and, t- you know, knock knock the dust off, tie my bootstraps up, and say, you know what, Candy, if you really believe in something, you can do this. You know, it does. It's not the end of. It's you know, a no can sometimes mean not right now. Yes. You know, and and for me, I just really took that note to heart, and it really put the competitive spirit in my soul, and really made me say, "Hey, you know, our stylist world needs this, and I'm going to go to bat for them." And that's really what I did.
0: That is amazing. I would imagine too having a a salon full of fifty hairstylists. I I would imagine you handed it to them to
1: try also, right? And had them. Oh gosh, they are the biggest R and D department that yes like, you could ever have because, uh, for instance, you know every single thing I've ever created. Uh, you know I like to create heroes, not zeros. You know it's always about getting that hero product. They are the testing uh, vehicle for that. So. For me, uh, I've been so grateful to the staff for going down this journey with me and and really telling me the truth when things are good or not good. And so, yes, they are a wonderful test center.
0: Yeah. So then you came to market knowing you had like a a beta group testing this, being like, this is fantastic. So it's not just a concept. It's not just an idea or something you've tinkered with, but you knew that this was going to work. Um, I'm curious, like I thought in the past, a long time ago, in a past life that I wanted to create products because I like kind of nerdy techie sides of things. And I like knowing ingredients and how they function and play together. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make a product line, but how do you even first find somebody to work with? Like you said, you had a chemist that you worked with. How do you find that
1: person or how, how did that happen? Well, I mean, with Google, you can get anything, uh, that, right? You do. It's sort of like a dating app. You just keep swiping left. You know. Uh-huh. I, I don't like this. Yeah, you know, I like this. Oh, this is in my region. Maybe not. No, oh. I, that's that's not true. Crystal, honestly, um, I have to tell you a very honest story. I knew that if this thing flopped, that I could eat up the first order of Lightner through my own fifty chair salon. So having that plan B really gave me the wind beneath my wings. If someone was trying to go out and create a product in today's world and didn't have a testing center, didn't have a way to actually use, sell, and distribute that product uh, within their own you know, umbrella, uh, I would say tread lightly because it is a dog eat dog world out there. You know, you need to really truly create a hero in order to get any traction because there's so much manufacturing out there that have such deep pockets. Um, but what, what, if anything social media has taught us, it is that community is important. And I literally built a brand uh, myself. I, as you said, but also the product of Sunlight's in my community. And so just like that community happens on social media, there's a community out there of chemists. There's a community out there of packaging folks. There's a community out there that, you know, creates graphics, you know? And so I just tapped into those communities and went to work on it and just tried to find, you know, who are, you know, I think what people don't understand is they think that there's 9 million hairspray manufacturers out there.
0: Well, there's yeah. not.
1: There's right. two. <laughs> yeah. Because aerosols and, you know, certain things that OSHA regulates and all those things that you have to have, there's only a few people that have that kind of machinery. Mm-hmm. There's only a few people out there that create color. There's only a few people out there that create Um, um, lighteners. Now, there's a lot of people out there that create soap, you know, and we call it, you know, soap is just hope in a bottle, right? (laughs) um, You know, we have a lot of that, but, you know, once you kind of drop your pen mark down into one place, then it's sort of like the ripple effect and that ripple effect, you know, you realize, okay, these people are capable of this and these people are capable of that. So you go on a road trip, literally, you fly all over the country and you begin to meet with people and you talk about ingredients and you talk about what's next and what's new, Um, you know, and, and then also there were a lot of people before me that did the work that were great mentors to me, Mm -hmm. helped me, that guided me. You know, one thing I know about the hair industry at large is we are the most giving people on the planet you know, what most would protect as intellectual property and don't want to talk about their trade secrets. I find that in the hair industry, people are actually very giving and they want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. They, they really want you to do well. And especially add a little secret sauce of being a woman to that. And then you're really onto something yeah. you know, cater to the silent majority. And that's women. Yes. And because of that, you know, women in this industry really relate to me because they want a girl in the boardroom. You know, they want a girl, you know, creating a product. They they love that, you know, mm-hmm. because we all always strive to be heard. Right. And so with all of that, you know, back to answering your question, it's just really getting in your community that that continues to lead you in the right direction.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think you're spot on about women in in the industry, too. And I think there's a lot of hairstylists that want to be taken seriously, right? Um, I think it's easy for other industries to look at hairstylists and think, that's cute. You're cute. That's a You're a hairstylist. And it's like, yeah, you just don't see the value yet. But then you get someone in there that's like a powerhouse of a woman who's creating brands, you know, taking charge. And it's pretty hard to ignore that and say
1: that you're not a serious businesswoman, you know? Well it is, but I will say that I always cheerlead the hairstylist first. And that's something that I am. That's why I will not get out from at the chair. And the reason is simply because I feel like, how can I truly be a counsel of authority if I'm not in it and I'm not in the trenches with my, with my followers? You know, people always ask me, oh my gosh, Candy, you know, you've been in this industry for 40 years. You've done this, you've done that, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, uh, what about your followers, your followers? You know, everybody's so interested in the followers. And I, I say to them, you know what? I'd rather have believers than followers. Believers why? Followers. Yes or you know thief by comparison right they, they just literally you know they just literally look at the FOMO and they think their lives are so perfect and oh my gosh look at them look at them you know I always say you might have the reach but I have the teach and <laughs> you know, there's a big difference. you are full of them girl <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a southern thing uh, so, but but the thing is is that you know, it's so easy to talk about your following, you know, let, let's see how you have, have monetized that, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, I think there's a lot of incredible uh, influencers out there that have monetized it and done really great things. But when you are in a position of power in that regard, when I talk about a position of power, I mean, someone who actually is influencing people. You need to use your platform for the good of the land you know you need to really use your platform not to just try to celebrate what is weird wacky and wild and crazy and you know um you know because the, you know the next generation depends on you mm-hmm. and we we have to be the forefathers of of the groundwork that has been laid by our forefathers I mean, I go into beauty schools all the time, teaching people, and ask, you know, drop a few names of some incredible forefathers, and they don't even know who they are. And I'm like, yeah. you've got to get your head out of this phone, and you've yes. got to really realize, you know, what what it took to build this industry and to do this, because there are some incredible people you need to be studying. Yes, that's no longer with us. And I hope to be that person in a way, you know, that long after I'm gone. I've left this industry better than I found it. Mm -hmm. And with or without, you know, millions of followers, I feel like it's really more about people who believe in, um, um, elevating our industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just like we talked about, um, prior to the podcast here is like, you know, everything that we do should be to pay it forward and, help the industry become something better than it was when you started so that's fantastic Uh, so candy i'm curious when you travel and you do these educational classes um, for one i'm curious like what's your ideal class size and are you teaching people on uh, models and mannequin heads like is it hands-on work are you doing mostly demo classes i'm curious what that looks like for you
1: well, actually I have three different types of classes. Um, I have a class where I would do like on a main stage. Uh it could be in front of thousands. Then I'll have a class that I will do, which is we call just a look and learn, where it might be, you know, three or four hundred people in a in a, a a ballroom size type of thing where it's just a look and learn. My favorite or my happy place are my hands-on classes, where they actually do in my academy in Atlanta, they actually they do hands-on on on live models. So the student actually comes and not only learns the curriculum, but then practices that curriculum uh, or or those new um, skills on live models. So for me, there's there's all different types. So if I'm traveling on the road, it's obviously not, uh, it's prohibited that I could have live models for all of my students. Yeah, but work on you know live models, mannequin heads, what have you, and we'll typically do a couple of hours of uh, the morning uh, working uh, stage work and you know teaching the curriculum. And in the afternoon, I get in the trenches with them, so I can teach up to about eighty hands-on. Wow, uh, which is great. You know, kind of got it down to a fine science. It's it, it's an interesting story, Crystal. So when I began to create this brand. I realized that I was going to need people to educate on my behalf. So how do you scale you? That's the question. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only one crystal, there's only one candy. Candy can't be everywhere, every time at everything. Mm -hmm. And so through my community, as I continued to talk about, I found people who were really, um, they were just kind of warriors of my brand. They really loved my brand. They were tagging my brand. So I created a, a thing called train the trainer where they, they, they sent in a video and I vetted uh, educators all over the country. And I would create these train-the-trainers where they would come to me and I would teach them how I would teach, you know, my curriculum. And so currently right now we have about um, probably close to 65, 70 uh, educators across the country. So if I go into a region, I will call a lot of those people to come for backup support. But they also teach and rattle the pots and pans in their communities as well <laughs> so, you know they, they're always um, you know teaching <laughs> call classes teaching in beauty schools teaching distributor events at all the places you can't be so you have to learn to scale your brand through education because i i like to think of myself as an education company that created a product although my mindset is changing now that i've scaled Uh And um, definitely a product that has a, a, you know, incredible education, but that, that was really my legacy was being an educator first.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I had to teach other people to become great educators so that I could be in all those places, you know, but not necessarily be in all those places. Right. And it worked out great because the differentiator for me was unlike a manufacturer, and you had mentioned earlier that you had aligned with some manufacturers in your career. Most of the business model of manufacturing is basically you create a product, you go find an educator, you pay an educator to teach on behalf of that product, right? And that educator has a day rate, let's call it, right? Yes. Well, for me, I I said, this is not going to work because there's no skin in the game. You know, because if Crystal shows up to a ballroom and there's only 10 people in the audience, she doesn't care because she's getting her day right. And she doesn't care if the audience is full because she really is already getting paid. Yes, so I created a, a sense of entrepreneurship for all of these believers to become their own bosses and to actually get out and go teach classes and make their own dollar sell their own tickets and the you know the the sky was the limit there were educators who could have 40 people in class and kick back an incredible you know uh revenue uh, stream for that day and then there were those who only wanted to maybe do private lessons at a, a at a um you know a higher ticket price and i get nothing for it So I don't get a kickback from my educators. I just support them with product. I support them with um, graphics and things of that nature. I cheerlead them from afar. And that's what really created the heart and soul of this brand. Because people will go to bat for me. People will take that bullet because they too don't wanna fail because they too are now creating their own brands under my brand. And so it was just a win-win, you know, because now people want to be a part of that. And I've enjoyed watching them grow and glow. And, you know, it's so fun as their Bali mama, I call myself, to <laughs> <is going> really <laughs> watch them create these sub brands under a brand, which is yeah. ultimately where our industry has gone. I mean, it's so fragmented now, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah, So we have such a fragmented industry. We've got blow dry bars. We've got men's grooming bars. We've got lash lounges. We've got, you know, uh, suite rental. We've got commission salon. We've got so many different aspects that it's, it seemed to make a lot of sense to also create a teaching aspect that was mm-hmm. also in that same, on that same vein. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to own their own time right
0: absolutely that's one of the main drivers for people to get into this industry i've done a couple of local beauty school talks recently as a guest speaker and i like to ask the audience like how why are you in this industry what was the most attractive thing to you and hands down everyone says like the freedom of time and to be able to do what i want to do and be independent lead my own way it's like
1: yes absolutely. yeah but you have to be disciplined. So that's the one thing that I I get in, you know, I teach all type of student, you know, I teach the one who has a beautiful studio like yourself. Um, I teach the student who owns a salon. I teach the student that works at a salon. And, you know, my message is always clear. You know, um, you got to put the work in, you know, you can't dial it in and you can't just say, well, I'm going to get my cosmetology license and then I'm going to just go, work at my own pace you know you have to put the work in you can't demand that you have to really if you really want to be successful if you want to be a six-figure stylist you really have to put the work in and you have to continue to stay a student yeah
0: always yeah i know i'm 22 years in and still continuously learning and i love it Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah So um, Candy, who is someone that you look up to as a mentor these days, speaking of always learning? Who's someone that you have your eyes on right now?
1: You know, it's interesting. That's that's such a, uh, a great question simply because I think the teacher always needs that mentor. A lot of my mentors are of, of outside of the industry. Uh, people who are business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, some of them are in my circles of friends that I really look to for for uh, questions because what I the things I need help on are not always just a hairstyle, right? Yes. You know how to cut a head of hair. I've been doing it forty years, and certainly there's some incredible people out there. You know, these people are now my family, so it's it's hard for me to say. Who in the industry? I mean, my best friend in the industry is Sonia Dove, who is a top artist and been around for 40 years um, with Wella. I mean, uh, you know, if you you really look at my track record, I hang out with all the people at the shows. They're all my friends. Many of them have stayed in my home. You know, I do a lot of work with, you know, Sambia. I do a lot of work with uh, uh, a lot of these incredible people that I truly respect. And, you know, whether they're cutters, colorers, Sharon Blaine from Australia, you know, I've, I've just got so many uh, wonderful friends that I know that I can pick up the phone at any given moment in, in, if I'm in need for anything. And they know they can pick up the phone, vice versa to me. I have a lot of salon mentors. I'm in an organization called Intercoiffeur, which is the top leading organization of independent salon owners. And this organization is in 80 countries.
0: Um,
1: And as a matter of fact, in July, I'm gonna be knighted by this organization, which is (laughs) kind of exciting. Um, But basically this organization is uh, all salon owners, you know, that have multi-chair salon or multi-location salon. And so those are great mentors to me. Uh, That community is a beautiful community. So it's really hard. You know, right now you're mentoring me, which is really how I look at the world. You know, I I listen with intent to learn. You know, there's always something out there, a little nugget from someone. I also would like to give a shout out to Beauty Changes Lives, which is a wonderful mentorship uh, uh, resource for any of your listeners out there that I sit on the board of. And they give scholarship dollars to folks in school, Yes. Yes. I've heard of this. Yes. We just raised a one day, one ticket initiative where people donated one ticket from the day. We raised a hundred thousand dollars for mentorship in one day, uh, to go towards either, you know, a student caring to go to esthetician school, nail school, beauty school, but also it doesn't stop there. It actually goes to, uh, things like, uh, after you've graduated, maybe you want to start a product line, you know, maybe you want to, uh, uh, uh open a salon,
0: mm-hmm. you know, there's
1: all kinds of mentorship there. I would say that people can definitely go online there and, and check out what's available. Mm-hmm. Great stuff out there that you don't even have to know anyone to get. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is this what I saw recently? Um, there was an event, was it in Florida and
1: it was, it was in uh, Chicago at the okay. show.
0: Okay. And then was it um, Style Smart VA was one of the people who won like a huge prize for this. Does that sound familiar? Am I thinking of the same thing?
1: Um, I don't know if that was the person that won or not. Okay. But, um, it could have been, but the one in, um, at the ABS was, we had three uh, recipients and it's just, it's just uh, it makes you cry. It's so incredibly amazing to watch the stories of these people that need financial aid and you know crystal right now we are not struggling with a with a uh, a labor shortage we're struggling with a talent shortage there is a big difference between hiring somebody to just do labor and hiring someone for talent you know it mm-hmm. takes a lot to be a good stylist it takes it a does. lot to be a good nail artist it takes a lot to be a great makeup artist freelance artist and and and, you know, when I grew up in this industry, there was a, just a plethora of people. I actually have a shadow day that I offer to my students to come and spend the day with me at the chair, just to see, just to get in those trenches. Cause I really believe that it's not just enough to get in the classroom. You also need to watch somebody manage their chair and manage what they do and how, they're, uh, uh, how they do that. So for me, um, you know, I love being a part of this beauty changes lives movement and now we're actually going out and we've got a huge campaign going on now called know your secrets and basically just trying to make the hair industry and this industry the beauty industry at large sexy again you know I still have to white out w2 forms and show them to fathers and mothers that their child drags them into a meeting with me saying i really want to go into the hair industry and mom and dad are saying you'll go get 4 years of college if i if it's the last thing i do and i'm like why do you think all hairstylists are broke you know we are not beauty school dropouts we are successful incredible we make more than some doctors and dentists and lawyers and i mean you know it's so we're trying to really change the verbiage there so that people get involved with this industry it's the greatest industry on earth
0: i agree and i think this is just my opinion obviously but as uh more things become ai and Mm -hmm. you know leaning on tech i think our industry is going to flourish even harder because we are like people focused heart centered you know you can't replace that with a robot
1: no, you cannot. You know, I used to say we were recession proof. I don't say that quite as easily now after COVID, right? Right. Uh, but, but, but the, but the reality is you will never replace the relationship of a hairstylist or an esthetician with their guest. You, you can never replace that. I mean, mm-hmm. I've watched my guest, you know, marry them. I've watched them bury them. I've watched them, you know, uh, go through hardship i've watched them go through successes and and that relationship is is you know it there's no price tag you right. on for sure
0: absolutely yeah so um i'm curious candy in your behind the chair days these days um, whether it be one day or three days a week what are you doing like what are your services that you're offering now i'm, I'm imagining they're fairly niched down
1: at this point well, I see but about 20 to 25 guests a day. And when I am in the salon, obviously I work with some protégés that help me, but I, I paint every head of hair myself. If I foil, I foil every head of hair myself. I do base colors. I do upstyling, I do men's cutting. I do women's cutting. I do keratin treatments. I do pretty much, you name it, <laughs> I do it. Yeah, and, um, you know I I love to be an artist of the total package and the total look. Uh, obviously, I am known for painting, but I'm also known for uh, being a great corrective color artist. However, um, I try not to I try not to advertise that because it's a time it's a time sucker, and for me, I would rather be able to do French cutting, which is so fast and efficient. And, and paint hair, you know, and get women in and out a lot quicker than, you know, some six or seven hour ordeal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love it. I You know, I do everything. Um, I, I, I used to do a lot of big celebrity weddings and I did Carrie Underwood's wedding. I did, uh, you know, a lot of uh, um, people in the country music industry uh, uh, worked on uh, shows like Say Yes to the Dress with Miranda Lambert and some of these folks that was really fun. You know, mm-hmm. that, and, you know, I say to everybody, you know, we all aspire to be this celebrity stylist, but let me just tell you this, it's totally overrated. Yeah. Uh, it's like one and done, you know, you're just kind of like, okay. And unless you're making a a, a a living out of it, like my buddy Ted Gibson out in California uh, or Jason Bakke, unless you're really making a, li- a living out of it, uh, it's it's really, you know, uh where where your where your the meat on the bone lives is right at your chair. Yeah. So, and and I just would encourage everybody, you know, great if you want to do those types of things, but just be careful what you wish for. Because mm-hmm. underpaid and 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 under, under appreciated a lot. You yeah. Know? So but for me, um, I just love doing pretty much everything at the chair. That is such a valuable
0: message for hairstylists to hear. Um, I feel like especially young stylists these days come into the industry feeling like they have to find a niche like immediately. There's this lots of messaging. I'm sure you've seen it out there. That's like, what do they? It's like the the riches are in the niches and all these different things of like if you don't specialize in something, you're what makes you special. And I think there is value in being kind of a generalist, you know, and having a broad um, toolbox to pull from with things. And so I love hearing that someone this deep in their career, this uh, nuanced in what they teach, still doing everything and kind of being that generalist. So I think that's a great, great thing to hear.
1: So Crystal, back there was a movement back in, I guess it was probably the 80s where people were departmentalizing their salons and they were trying to do Specialists, and now there's a movement to get away from that. I used to teach in a salon out in Seattle for for years, and uh, that had 1,200 uh, hairstylists, and and they were all generalists. I mean, pardon me, departmentalized. And now they're morphing into being the total connector of of that beauty uh, uh, authority for their guest, and people are seeing that. I wouldn't discourage anybody for being really good at one thing because my own salon, there are people who I know are great at weddings or great at men's cutting or fades or what have you barbering. Uh, But what I would say to you is a true master can do it all. And that's what my license says. And that's why I want to stay in that and practice those skills. Um, Also, it doesn't give you a lot of margin for being flexible and nimble. I open my book only about every eight weeks at a time. It's almost like concert tickets. You know, Is <laughs> the book open yet? Is your book open yet? You know, like, <laughs> I, I want to create energy at my chair because I want to command and control who gets to sit in it. You know, I, to- I I tell my students all the time. You know, when you ride on a plane, you have a first class seat. You have a comfort plus seat, you have a comfort seat, and then you have the main cabin. These stylists that sell their first class seat, which is their best appointment of the day out 12 months in advance, don't have a really good business mindset. And what I mean by that is you have to be really nimble with your business and know how to control who is going to pay the best price for what you do and how you do what you do? Just like a first class seat. And why would you want to give your five o'clock or four o'clock at the end of the day to a man? You know, no offense, guys out there, but women <laughs> anywhere, right? But that that needs to go to that mom or that businesswoman or that person who's going to buy products, who's going to get highlights, who's going to get multiple services. And so for me, I try to teach people to be a little uh, less like when a student comes up to me and they're like, I'm booked out for the year. And I go, no, because the lady you booked in January is going to be mad if you go up on your price for her September appointment. Yes. So you've got to be careful about that. And, you know, there's two things that are really hot buttons right now. Number one, self-care, right? Uh We all are into self-care time. keeping our time. And number two is pricing Mm -hmm. value, you know? And so how I want to teach this industry to add value is to obviously be good at what you do, work on your skill, train, your, train, your booty off. Yeah. (laughs) Create such an energy of need that people will do whatever it takes to get into your seat like at your restaurant or on your plane. And we have not done a good job of that. Hairstylist, unfortunately, or as it turns out, we are we are yes people. You know, we're yes, sure, sure, no problem, sure. You know, I'm trying to say that the value of no is good. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to use it to your advantage, not in a bitchy situation, right? but you need to control what you do at your chair so that you can have the best possible result and and sell it to the people who are willing to pay for it and not sell your soul to the devil and have a ball and chain on your chair and let your people dictate your pricing and your value Mm -hmm. so we've not done a good job of that and and i you know that falls on all of us and i think it's because it's really funny. Artists are so sometimes not very confident, are we? Yeah. But yep. We lack confidence. It's, mm-hmm. it, here we have, we, we can go out and be an entrepreneur and open our own little studio or our own chair, but yet we lack confidence. Yep. And so I, I say to them, get confident and get good and get good enough to invest in the people who are going to be your believers. They'll get the word out. And I don't, I don't say this meanly, but to sort of fire that bottom echelon of folks that are causing you that challenge and that problem and that headache and causing you not want to, you know, people get stale and stagnant because they're just so tired of being just the server, Mm -hmm. you know, feel like they're, they, they can be this artist, right? So I want to attract new guests in my chair, no matter if I'm 40 years into this you know, I, I don't want to just do this, play the same old music.
0: Right. The
1: right.
0: Same old I think,
1: so, go ahead.
0: Okay, I was going to say one of the most exciting parts of our, our industry and our business is um, that altruistic need to make people feel good. Right. And so when you have a new guest and a new, person to serve, you don't know what they need yet. So it's like this, you know, fun adventure you get to go on to make them feel good. And I can like, that's so fun and amazing. And I love that you're still seeking that out with new people too.
1: I think it is great. And I think, like I said, you know, we have to be smarter business uh, people, whether you're running one chair, it does not matter. Or you're running 50. You have to think you yes, you're creative, but you also got to get your left brain and your right brain together. And you do need to create A story, you know, everybody has a brand. Everyone has a brand. What is your story? You know, what what do you wanna be known for out there? Are you a great cook? Do you love to garden? Is exercise your pastime? Is your church family important? Are you uh, a volunteer? All those things are your story. And if you learn how to scale and leverage your story, then you can pretty much command whatever it is that you wanna do. I would say to anyone on their own that, you know, quit dumbing yourself down, you know, quit, quit taking it for whatever you get uh, you know, and, and, and accepting that. And really actually just get out there and lift this, elevate this industry, show mm-hmm. people that hairdressers are essential. We learned, that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, sure.
0: absolutely. Yeah, we did learn that first and foremost in the pandemic. That was to me the biggest <clears throat> takeaway, right? It was like, who was the I just mentioned this on another podcast and I still didn't double check this. The, there was a politician in like California that had, you know, kept the salons closed and then she got caught on like some security camera in a salon that was like closed by her doing. But she's like, I still need to get my hair done.
1: Closy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was you a total like, that. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You know, I mean, that was a, honestly kind of a good moment for us in our industry because it showed, I think, how important and valuable that we are and can be. Um, so, yes, no, we are we are a powerful industry and have the ability to change people's lives in many ways.
1: Yes. And I think also what is wonderful, too, is a lot of folks have, you know, ebbs and flows in their book or they have they they're not building these strong clienteles. I, I get a lot of that candy, how do I build a stronger clientele? And I tell them all the time, you're charging too little. And I mean that because if you're not of great value, you know, it's really interesting to me. You can never, ever estimate the purchasing power of someone, right? So I'll get a teacher in my chair. Well, she's got a Louis Vuitton bag. You know, she's bought a Gucci purse. It's not my decision to make that decision on her purchasing power. We we analyze the world in that way, and we say, oh, well, she's a teacher, or someone sits in our chair and says, oh, I'm going on vacation, I'm so excited, but oh, I'm going to be off of work, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out of money, and no, 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 no. You still need your hair done, sister, and I'm not discounting and and grouponing and couponing your price because of that, you know, and, and so- for me, uh, I think that sometimes we will buy things that are more expensive because that that we we want to be that right. We we have an inner celebrity. All of us do. Yeah, we have, we do so. I mean, if somebody comes into my town and I'm mm-hmm. a, a guest and I see some fabulous hairstylist, I mean, Frederick forca made a, an, a, an enormous living. He never saw he saw some about. 15% of his guests, he saw more than once. Wow. The rest were well, only once. Wow. I mean, think about that for just a minute. Yeah. Right. How many times have you gone to a place once because you wanted to experience it? Right. So we've got to build that once. We've got to build the, the tried and true. Mm-hmm. We've got to build the new mm-hmm. and then we got to get out there and keep the wheels turning to continue to keep our name known, Um, there's, there's no finish line in this industry. Mm -hmm. You you don't get to the end of your career and just stop, you know, you go with every bit of a sprint all the way to the end. And uh, I, so I feel like if, if your listeners are out there, just learning how to manage that better will really help them um, to, to have a, a full and flourishing book.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Candy do you speak like this when you go teach classes like do you do you yeah you do um I would imagine that maybe you've considered this about yourself you're almost like a motivational speaker you know what I mean and I'm sure like the hair you do is great and the products you make are wonderful because I know I love them but like really and truly I feel like you're speaking to the heart of everybody and like lighting everyone up
1: you have a way with words thank you I appreciate that well, I have a symposium every year where I do three days. First day is business acumen, where I teach the secret sauce of what I do and how I do what I do. And then, of course, I have speakers that come in as well and, you know, talk on certain subjects that are, are relevant in the moment. And then the second day, I do all French cutting and I teach the French cutting techniques. And the third day, I teach all balayage. So if someone's out there listening that might want to uh, look into that, that's in September. And and then they get to visit my 50 chair salon and, you know, it's a wonderful community and I only limit it to 40 people because I want it to be close knit. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been wildly successful, but always I have to add that about the business part because I feel like we're starved for it. You know, yes. we've got a lot of things at our fingertips. We can watch a lot of YouTube videos and we could get on Instagram and, you know, get mesmerized by some beautiful haircut and a beautiful paint or a beautiful oil. But no one's out there really talking about the struggles, the challenges, the 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 successes. And you know it's not all a struggle. There's tons of success. Right. Celebrate that too. But I think also just wrapping your arms around this community and 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 letting them know it's okay you know, we're going to have ebbs and flows. I've, I've gone down and reinvented myself in my, in my career three or four times, you know, where I thought I was on top of the world. And then I had a major crash and, and then I said, okay, that, that was a great learning lesson. You know, uh, when you lose, don't lose the lesson. There's a lesson there. And yeah. <laughs> here we go again, you know, you know, cause we do have that five to seven year itch in our industry I mean, people. You've been in it a long time. You know. Yes. Yes. I hate that part. I hate mm-hmm. it. Oh, so, mm-hmm. like don't quit. Don't yeah. Do this. Just get over this hump. You know.
0: Yep. Yep. And I feel like you know these days it's easier almost to get over that hump because of the um, accessibility of other people's creativity online and education. If you can't travel somewhere, you can do things online. And although it's not the same impact as you might get in person, it still sparks a little bit of creativity and kind of keeps you going.
1: The single number one thing I sold during the pandemic was mannequin heads. Really? Keep them in stock because literally everybody was practicing. Everybody was watching their phones because they, they were locked up. Yeah. And that really showed me a lot of the power of the digital education world. Uh, Yes, it is a wonderful vehicle, but there's nothing that replaces a hands-on class. There's nothing that replaces a a face-to-face. And meeting like-minded people who are going through the same things as you are. What I love about many of the courses that I have in Atlanta is by the end of it, Everyone that was a student in my class are now friends and Mm -hmm. they're morphing into traveling together, doing things together. And, you know, you can't really get that online. I would encourage everybody to at least do one, possibly two hands-on classes. There's so much great education out there, whether it be a show, a distributor event, an academy of some sort every year, just to kind of keep up with their craft. Yeah. Some of, the, some of our states require it and some don't, which really, you know, I feel like continuing education is a must.
0: Yes, I completely agree. I'm going to throw you an a oddball here and see, I just kind of want to know your opinion on this uh, because it's something that's been a conversation I'm having with some other people online. There's a movement towards deregulation with uh,
1: licensing in the hair industry. Have you heard about this? I'm actually on the board of the PVA. And I've been very involved in deregulation and licensing and all of this. And it is the biggest debacle. I mean, you know, what they're doing with the gainful employment uh, rule of uh, beauty schools is just ridiculous. And, and part of that, I'm going to just say this first, and then I'm going to answer your question. Okay. Part of the issue with all of this employment gain rule is people go out and get a suite or a studio or something, and they don't tell the truth about what their earning potential is. And what happens is, or what they're making, let's right. just call it that, or whatever right. it's worth. I'm just going to call call it what it is. And so, therefore, our government feels like, well, hairstylists, you know, they don't deserve all of the uh, this funding because they're only making you know, $22,000 a year at what they're doing. And it has shot us not just in the foot, both feet, both hands and the back. It's really hurt us because people have not claimed, you know, everything they make, whether it's through tips and, and, and whether it's through their actual income. So that's one thing. So think about it like this. It's a ripple effect Uh when schools can't enroll students that can get funding and financial aid, then what does that mean to our industry? (laughs) It means that we now, the flower is not being watered and we are not going to have a whole field full of poppies at the end because kids can't afford to go to school. That's why so much of these new um, scholarships are out there. Gotcha. That would be the first part of this cog in our wheel, I would say that we've got to really start reporting what we're making, doing the right thing, running an ethical business, uh, not slipping out the backjack, you know, and really knowing that one day social security is gonna come up and you're not gonna make anything if you're not smart and knowing what you're doing. So that would be my first riff. The second thing about deregulation is, you know, I never went to beauty school, as I said in the earlier part of your podcast, but I took the state board uh, of cosmetology exam and. And did my hours and went through all of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is just the thought of taking away a license of, of someone who ha- is working with chemicals that could get in an eye. You know, I, I'm a manufacturer now, so I know about lawsuits. You know? Yes. But, but the thoughts about chemicals, the thoughts about scissors, the thoughts about things that can happen. I feel that people should be licensed. and I feel that if an EMS is licensed to save your life in an ambulance, that we are saving lives in a different type of way. And I, I mean that very honorably. You know, I feel like women need us as as a means of, as as much as they need their doctors and their therapists. Yes, we have to keep this. We have got to get this right. And we have got to figure this out. It, it it infuriates me when I have a stylist that moves from New York City to Atlanta, Georgia, and then wants to come work for me. And they have to go sit for the State Board of Exam of Cosmetology, again, because my hours are different than their hours. Their licensing is, doesn't have reciprocity in my town. It is just a mess. It and is. we've got to try and we've got some really smart people out there, you know, working this lobby, and and the PBA has done an incredible job, you know, trying to lobby for this and 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 really working hard to get this get this streamlined. But if you look at any other industry, it is just, you know, the fact that a doctor, you know, it, it, my son is is in his residency, uh, and uh, he's going to be a general surgeon, and you know, if he wants to pick up and move to Kansas City he can pick up and move to Kansas city and, you know, be a doctor. We've got to get this right. And um, so for those who want to do away with licensing, I am not in that camp. You know, I, I think that there should be education backing something um, because it dumbs our industry down. And as I said, throughout this entire podcast, it is that everything about what we do, we need to add value. Yes. And value is, that diploma, that license on that wall that shows people that you put in the work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's how I feel about it, um, you know, uh, ultimately.
0: Right. And so then what do you see being like the um, the ultimate goal with this is that there's like one maybe national
1: license for everybody? I, you know, I think there's two ways to look at it. I I, I know that, um, you know, for instance, in Georgia, there's three or four, three different tiers of licensing, whether you are a master cosmetologist, whether you get a barbering license or whether you just get a hairstylist license. Really? That's news that to me. Really like for everybody to get a master license, you yeah. know, if you to barber and, and fragment out of that. Great. If you decide to, you know, I mean, when you think about it, let's, let's talk about it like this. If I was a dress designer, right. Which is ultimately what a hairstylist is doing, designing a dress to fit you. I would know about shoes. I would know about fabrics. I might not be the person selling the fabric or making the shoes, but I would know about every aspect of what we do. Jewelry design. I mean, designers all work in, that's why they call them fashion houses, you know? So they all work in collaboration to create an end result. So for me, I feel like we should have a a, a seamless standard mm-hmm. that everyone should reach. Now, what is that standard? That That's that. That, that is a topic of discussion. Yes. Do we need to do finger waves and skip curls and pin curls? And, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, some <laughs> people in cosmetology right now, I'll scratch my head on. Mm-hmm. But I think um, we should have a standard that everyone should reach. And I think that standard, it, you know, what does that come in? How many shapes, forms, and sizes of hours does that come in? You know, so I would say barbering should have a certain level of hours. Uh, I would think coloring theory, color theory should have a certain amount. I think cutting should have a certain amount. I think, um, uh, you know, skin should have a certain or chemistry should mm-hmm. have. A so, yeah, I guess, you know, all in all, I would say that it would be great for everybody to have that standard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the the argument is, what is that? yes
0: yes it is the the argument right yeah but i know all of us that are in the career want that i think all of us that have put in the time and tried to be successful and have elevated ourselves want that like we we want the industry to get better right and so I don't know, I, I, I agree with you. I think that there should be standards for things just like in any other industry. There's standards for, for services or standard protocols for things. There's standard education levels for things. And then we're just like the wild west.
1: <laughs> I know it, but we have to stop that that, yeah. that sauna. You know, even in my own salon, I have, I have tests and standards for everything. You know, people test out on everything from customer service to scripts, to, to how to deal with an upset guest. I mean, you can't, that's called quality control. Yes. I mean, you know, I walk into Target or someplace and you see those huddles, you know, they're having their little huddles. That's quality control. You have to be able to have those standards and, and reach those goals. And people who are just kind of flailing through, you know, I got news for you. It's, you know be careful because the sustainability of that is, is it you know, you're not going to be 40 years still on top of your game, you're just right. going to peak and then you sort of go down. And and uh, I want people to be 40 years and as excited and passionate about their craft as I am, right? I want us to just get tired of it, you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh,
0: well, Candy, this has just been a breath of fresh air. And I have to tell you, um, with all of your sweet sayings that you have, you make me miss my friends back in Texas <laughs> as, uh, as one of my, my best friends there, who's like 96 years old now, um, Buster, he was full of cute little sayings like this is you seem like you are busier than a cat on a hot tin roof, yeah. my dear. <laughs> And uh, I just love hearing about everything that you're doing because you seem to
1: just have kind of like a, a little hand in everything in a good way here. Thank you. Well, I enjoy it. And I'm, it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to serve your listeners today and to give back. And most importantly, I want to wish you well in this journey because we need people just like you.
0: Thank you so much. I do appreciate that very much. Um, so for anyone that's listening that is interested in um getting candy in their life. Uh, you have your, you called it the symposium. Is that right? In September.
1: I do. I do. And you year long. Okay. Pro.com and look it all up or jump on to sunlight's pro Instagram or at the Bali Lama as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Be- Wonderful. You journey with me.
0: Yes, yes. I will make sure to um, link the symposium in the show notes here for anyone that's interested. And I'm going to let you get on with your uh, fun in the sun today. So I know you're itching itching to get that off
1: and go (laughs) get out in your swimsuit. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Crystal. And uh, have a wonderful, uh, great weekend and and be kind.
0: Thank you. You too. Bye, Candy.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Man, let me tell you, after that interview with Candy, I am so fired up, my friend. She just has a way of like reaching my soul and making me want to do bigger, better things in this world, in this industry, even in this space. So, um, if Candy, if you're listening, thank you for being here on the Your Hair Mentor podcast. And I hope for anyone that listened to this interview, um, you have the same fire in your belly as I do. Okay. I mean, it's just, that's what it's all about, my friend. Um, so I will have any important things linked in the show notes here in the podcast episode. And as I like to always say, happy hair day to you my friend and until next time i'll see you then okay bye hey friend crystal here and i've got something special for you that's too good to miss introducing the wildly popular confident conversations boot camp where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part? It's completely free.